Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, we have a very special guest today. Sonia McCrimmon is a mindset and habit change coach. She has her master's in behavior analysis, which focuses on the science of human behavior and behavior change. She is also a board certified behavior analyst and a certified life coach. She also has her certification in acceptance and commitment training. So we're going to learn more about that. Um, But it's basically a scientific framework she uses in her coaching practice. She helps ambitious women break free from negative thought spirals and self-sabotaging behaviors to become more confident to crush their day-to-day habits and routines with ease. Sonia, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you are a mindset and habit coach, which just screams everything that Nourish Eat Repeat talks about all the time. So (laughs) I thought it would be amazing to have somebody who's actually a professional in this area so that you can bring your wisdom to our listeners. Amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited to chat all things behavior change and in relation to nutrition and, and what that looks like. Perfect. So I gave a little background in terms of your training and your um, professional background. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you so we can get to know you better and how you came to find this space in terms of behavior health? Yeah, definitely. So um, I took my undergrad in psychology and at the end of uh, my in my fourth year, actually, I ended up taking a learning disabilities course. And that kind of brought me on this path of um, working with individuals with special needs and varying abilities and things like that. And so I ended up uh, getting into the field of working with individuals with autism. And so that was really when I got into my master's um, in behavior analysis. And behavior analysis is really the main science uh, to implement behavior therapy. I ended up taking a, a webinar in acceptance and commitment training, and that actually was really where my two worlds collided because acceptance and commitment training act is a scientific framework, but you can utilize it in coaching. And so it's based in behavior analysis. And so then my two worlds kind of collided and I just, it, it just was one of those moments where I was like, you know what? Coaching is really where I fell in love with that. And, um, Yeah. So I worked at that agency up until December and I started my coaching last summer. So I was like doing both jobs um, until December, 2020. And then as of January, I started to do my coaching full time. Um, And the thing is, I still really love um, working with individuals and families with autism. So I ended up actually starting a second business and, and continuing that work on the side as well. So I've been doing those two things now. So coaching is really like my, my main thing that I've been uh, running and assisting and helping women work through those thought spirals and 
self-sabotaging behaviors. And, you know, the, the three main things were the perfectionism, people pleasing and procrastination, which were really all the, the big main things that I help my clients work through. So yeah, it's a bit of a, my journey and here I am today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I want that to be our topic today. So I want to specifically dive into those three P's, perfectionism, procrastination, and people-pleasing. Tell us more about this because I think, you know, you have just highlighted the three biggest challenges a lot of us face. Yes. And it's so interesting too, because they all go hand in hand to some degree. Like we all at some point in our lives, the seasons that we're in thing, you know, changes in our day to day or in our careers and things like that. There are components that we fall into these traps Um, and so it's really noticing them and really breaking through. So when it comes to, you know, perfectionism, this is really when it's very much performance-based. So we believe our self-worth is the amount of work we put into something. So perfectionism is really when we look at like, something needs to be perfect. It has to be a certain way. And we really are putting all of our effort into these external things because we believe that when we do that, then we're successful, then we're worthy, then we have connections with others. I feel like perfectionism is the one that Yes, it can, like for high achievers, perfectionism to a certain degree is helpful and beneficial to, you know, make you climb a corporate ladder or, you know, um, really make your way up in work and your career. Um, But on the flip side of that, it's really the feelings that you end up having when you're out of that. So how you feel when you're alone at home can like, do you actually feel like you can sit with yourself? Um, Cause sometimes you may actually either um, when you're home alone and you're not really too sure what to do with yourself. And um, those are kind of the times where you might end up um, being a night snacker um, and just end up diving into these foods. If you don't really know like how to really sit and process with yourself. Um, And in those moments, that's when we can really think about the fact that, um, sometimes we try to fill our time. If we don't really know how to be with ourselves, we'll constantly make ourselves busy and fill our schedule. And so perfectionism is kind of in that world of the hustle and like go, go, go and constantly doing and not really actually taking time to just simply be and stay in the uh, present moment. So perfectionism is really when we get so wrapped up in constantly doing and performing, if you will, of just like making sure we're always on top of everything and constantly going. The feelings left over from that is either like overwhelm, burnout, exhaustion, binge eating, you know, um, or just binging TV. Like you, you kind of overcompensate sometimes on other ends where you're overconsumption um, on the flip side of that to try to process all the doing, but you don't really have that in between of just allowing yourself to sit um, and process. So that's, that's kind of perfectionism on a whole. Um, 
so yeah, that's one of the piece. <laughs> okay. So I want to stop you right there. Cause I just want to yeah. um, clarify something. Cause you know, as I'm listening to you talk, of course, I'm applying it to my own life. <laughs> so um, coach me right now. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist. Um, mm -hmm. that isn't, but I'm definitely a performer. So to know mm. that the two of those are so tied together, um, you know, it's one of those things I could always rationalize. Well, I don't have to do it perfect. That's not who I am. I know people mm. that they have that kind of all or nothing mentality that that is not me or I've worked really hard to make that not be me. But the performer and the constantly tying self-worth into mm. what I have created, perfect or not, doesn't matter. But what I've created, yeah. um, it's interesting that you make a note about not so much about perfectionism being a bad the perfectionism being a bad thing but the opposite like what happens when you're not on who are you then and how do you handle life? yeah because that's the part like perfectionism on the surface looks good you're checking all the boxes you're getting, you know, you're working your way up in a job, like you're constantly doing. So on the surface, it looks like you have everything together. You're doing all the things, right? But underneath that, on the inside, it's the feelings and that low self-esteem or low self-worth because you are placing all of your eggs in that performance basket of being like, I, and you know, and, and I say perfectionism, perfectionism to a certain extent is not a bad thing because like, yes, like you're, you're working your way up, you're doing all these great things in life, but at the same time, it comes at the expense of your own self connection. Really. You're not allowing yourself that freedom and leeway to connect with yourself. You're constantly putting all of your energy into others, which then ties into people pleasing and you're attaching it to your work and that your work is who you are. And so that's, that's where it, it gets that fine line of depending on, you know, how fixated you are. And as you said, the all or nothing mindset, one of the biggest things with perfectionism is a rigid thinking. So this is where um, we're fused with specific reasons or rules so that could be like, I have to do it this way. I need to do it this way. I should be doing it this way. Or I can't do that. Like I have to do this to, to become happy. Like you're placing these expectations or these performance-based things on your happiness. Like I have to get that promotion to feel happy. I or I have to do this before I can actually like do something for myself. So you're placing these rules and reasons on yourself. And that's the really big rigid thinking of you're fusing your identity with all of these rules, but you created those rules in your head. And that is where it comes into play of we latch onto these things. So especially when it comes to eating, you know, one of them that could be is like, oh, like, I, I mean, this is just one I'm thinking of because I did this the other day, but it's like, I have to eat dinner first before I have dessert. And it's like, sure, yes. Like, that's just like a basic one. And I'm only saying that because I ended up having ice cream before dinner one day. Um, but thinking about these things of like, oh, like I can't have, um, I can't have chocolate today 
because it'll do X, Y, Z, or like, I, I have to have this. Um, I'm just trying to think of nutrition ones. Well, I can think of a whole bunch. Like yeah. um, once I lose 10 pounds, then I can go on vacation. Yes. You know, yeah. once I cut sugar out of my diet, then I will never have any problems with my weight again. Exactly. Like, so these are all, list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we place these these beliefs on an end result. And once again, that, that is where it ties into you are latching your identity of who you are onto an outcome of a goal. Whereas in reality, it's the journey towards that goal. So it, it's really the, the process that you're going through. Like, yeah, sure. If your goal is to um, lose 10 pounds, it, there's an element of giving ourselves room for um, leeway because, you know, 10 pounds, if you want that at the end of the month and it doesn't happen at the end of the month, you have now had this expectation of that need. I needed to lose 10 pounds at the end of this month. And then you put yourself down if you don't. And the whole component is really taking a step back and say, well, what did you do for yourself this month? If you actually like, you know, you worked out every day and you did all the things and you built a routine and habits and those made you feel happy and more confident in yourself, you know, it's really looking at what do you value? Do you value the, the surface level of like, I, I just want that scale, the number on the scale to go down, regardless of like, if you feel happy or would you rather feel happy and confident in who you are? And that's like a hard process to go through so it's not just like answering that question you truly have to believe in yourself and really look at your identity and noticing how to shift the thoughts that come up when so perfectionism basically the number one thing is you're latching your your identity to an end result so when that end result doesn't happen you believe that you're a bad person you can't do it um this is just who i am I've failed, right? That's where all the thoughts come in when you place all these expectations on the end result specifically. So it's kind of allowing yourself to take a step back from that and look at your values and see, okay, well, the values are who I strive to be. And that's really looking at, you know, do you want to be energetic, confident, supportive, loving, adventurous, um, healthy, uh, self-caring? Like these are all core values and then based off those values you break those down into small action steps daily and looking at that as a whole rather than being like okay I'm just going to look at this end result and only care about the end result and I don't care about like the process to get there so it's it's a shift in mindset when it comes to that okay so then what is one like action step that we can take to get us to that shift? Ooh, um, <laughs> so specific to perfectionism is, I honestly would say like gratitude and celebration mm -hmm. along the way, because so with the science of, you know, behavior change and really what gets us um, to the next step and what creates repetition in habits, whether we realize it or not, is what we reinforce. So the biggest, you know, component to that is, let's say 
I have this thought of like, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I feel like I'm not getting to that end result and I'm not really there yet. And so the whole component of all of this for all of the, like for the three piece, all of them is always starting to look at your thought patterns. That is like the number one step for everything. Self-awareness is like the number one step for all things. So if you look at the thoughts that you have when you want to indulge or give in and just want to eat those snacks, noticing what thoughts come up, because that is really what you end up reinforcing. So for instance, if you're, if you're looking at your goal and you're like, it's almost the end of the month and you're like, oh, I'm nowhere near those 10 pounds. And you start to feel down on yourself. And then you start to say like, I can't believe I ha- I'm nowhere near it. Like I suck. I, I, you know, I tried so hard and I failed. And if you start to believe those thoughts, then you start to think, oh, I can just cheat now. I can just, you know, start eating. And the thing with that component, when it comes to our, like, our brain cells and how we process is if we start to give into those thoughts and then we, the habit, that action in that moment is then eating the chocolate. We just reinforced that belief of I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I might as well just eat chocolate and, you know, give into it. And so my biggest, you know, to the flip side of that, in those moments, noticing and saying, and reconnecting with your values to reinforce your value. So celebrating when you can. Um, So the one tiny action in those moments is, okay, let's reconnect with my values. Is eating chocolate in alignment with me getting healthy right now? And it's not about the chocolate. It's about like the feeling that you would have. You're, you're, you're essentially getting in the trap of instant gratification of Mm -hmm. I'd rather avoid pain and just indulge in this chocolate. And so it's really, I mean, there's so many components to it, but one of the core things is in that defining moment, when you have your connection with your values, values are just so key because it helps you as a big redirection in those moments. So if you're about to give in and you're feeling down on yourself, kind of pausing in that moment and saying, okay, is this in alignment with my value of eating healthy or feeling healthy, energetic, whatever it is? And if the answer is no, that's where you kind of pause and say, what's one tiny action I can do right now that would be in alignment? And that could be like, standing up and walking around your room, like creating some kind of movement or drinking water instead. Um, or, and the thing is like, there's a whole habit loop and, and how habits are um, formed and whatnot. One of the big first steps is the cue. So it's like, if you have, you know, chocolate lying around, you're just increasing the temptation and the, and that need right there of being like, well, it's right here. Why not? And so noticing your cues in your environment to be like, oh, well, if you have to have chocolate in the house, then like, you know, is it high up in a corner locked somewhere that it's so much harder to access? Or do you have fruits and and vegetables like cut up and already easily prepared and accessible so that if you do fall into that trap of, of giving in, one tiny action could be like, oh, you know what? I actually have like some fruits cut up. Maybe I'll just go eat one. And so all of that to say is when you shift out of that mindset and you choose one tiny action, 
that allows you to really shift and reinforce your value versus because that's the thing if we latch onto our identity in those moments of giving in whatever habit you engage in you're then reinforcing that identity and then it it becomes a repeated habit and so you have to become very aware of those little points of thinking and feeling those ways and allowing yourself to shift in those moments does all that make sense so really celebrating the wins essentially so like on the flip side of that if you are actually eating healthy or doing those things celebrate every tiny baby step like this is like my number one thing with clients with like with everybody celebrate the tiny steps especially if you're you know you're wanting to lose weight you want to cut sugar and you're just in the beginning phases that is like the number one time to reinforce yourself because you don't know like reinforcement essentially the the true scientific definition of reinforcement is an increase in a desire um the an increase in a desired behavior over time. So when you reinforce something, it increases the likelihood of you engaging in that behavior again. So that is the the core component of reinforcement. So if you like didn't eat sugar today for like the first time and you're just starting out, like celebrate. And I would say like create a list that are like non-food related of like rewards, treats, things like, um, and that could honestly be like calling a friend and telling them and like celebrating these moments or in sharing it with others so that they are also there on your journey as well. Um, so yeah, celebrating those moments. Um, and I kind of started out by saying the, the giving in moment at the beginning of like, what if I give in, um, noticing those and, and allowing yourself to shift and it's all in the baby steps. I'm all big on baby steps. (laughs) Yeah. We hammer that home on this podcast about celebrating the little things. Like I want dance parties. I want the celebration to be so disproportionate to the actual behavior (laughs) so that your mind is just kind of like, what the heck is going on? but she liked it. So let's do it again. Um, so I was like, we've all watched the Olympics and we saw that Australian coach dance in the stands. I'm like, I want a (laughs) full on dance party like that. Um, for the swimmer coach. So, um, oh, okay. So we spent a lot of time on perfectionism. Let's move to the second P let's go to procrastination. How does this impact us working towards our goal? So that actually ties in perfectly because one of the concepts of perfectionism is you want something so perfect sometimes you don't even engage in the task itself sometimes like you you want all your ducks in a row to like before you start something and because they're not in the row you just don't start it so perfectionism can tie into procrastination um, a lot of the time as well if we want something so so perfect and it's not the way we are wanting it to be sometimes we just don't even start something or continue something or finish something um, on that end but just be uh, it also ties in because we just talked about reinforcement so procrastination is the habit of avoiding so when we have a thought uh so i 
was the biggest procrastinator. Like you name it, I would procrastinate on everything, but here's what happens with procrastinators or in situations. Let's say you have a project or something to do at work or, or a task you procrastinate so much that you end up cramming, winging it, or just like, or skipping it and like hoping for the best and, and just seeing what happens. And a lot of the time you end, it ends up working out. And essentially like I personally, I got so good at cramming, winging it, not preparing and doing well, and just um, essentially being able to just do things on the fly or like rushing last minute. And the whole thing with that is because I ended up doing well, succeeding, or still just ultimately getting the thing done in time or to the, whatever I could, it got reinforced. And that is honestly the main reason why we all procrastinate is we procrastinate on something so much that um, by the time we actually get it done, it's like we usually it ends up becoming something that we get reinforced for some like a lot of the time I would be able to cram in university and still get a good grade. And it was like, OK, so like why bother doing it ahead of time if I could just cram a couple of days before and still get a good grade. And so it's really looking at these factors of, but all in all, if there's something where it's like, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I, I, I don't want to take the risk or like, I don't, I don't feel the courage to be able to take that step. So you avoid, you avoid, you avoid, you don't really do anything. And on that end, you're getting, you're reinforcing avoidance. Like you're, you're reinforcing having to deal with the pain and process of the bigger things. So as we go through our journeys, you know, like if you want to lose the weight or you want to cut out sugar, these things aren't easy. And I feel like in society, you know, like if we work through things, like people think that, oh, or I guess just maybe social media in general makes it seem like, oh, like this person is like, their life looks perfect, kind of tying back into that perfectionism of like, it looks like they have it easy. They look like they have all their things together, but it's like, you don't actually realize all the things that they are doing in their day to really work on that. And so we all, to some degree, are scared to take that leap to actually go through the hard stuff and to no longer avoid pain or fear, right? So procrastination, a lot of the time is us wanting to avoid dealing with our pain, or we just want to get rid of it or not address it at all. And we'd rather just do that and live kind of in that same baseline and not really go for the big thing. So it's either you procrastinate for a long period of time, and then you end up doing the thing and it works out. So that gets reinforced or you just procrastinate completely on, let's say your personal goals. And I mean, you procrastinate, but you're avoiding taking that step and, and working through the fear and working through the pain. So in that sense, you're reinforcing the fact that you don't have to do the hard work. You don't have to 
deal or process or go through the the hurdles that it is to work on that goal so all in all procrastination is really just reinforcing avoidance and when we look at that once again i always flip it to the feelings like for me when i would procrastinate and just cram and cram or do something last minute or wing it and it works out cool on the surface that was great but personally i was so exhausted i was so terrified i was overthinking everything leading up to that moment and then afterwards it was like i was burnt out i felt like crap about myself and then even though i like submitted or did the project or whatever because it was like last minute i still felt like i half-assed it and then i i didn't put my all into it so then i still felt bad about myself so it was like when i actually procrastinated and like did it last minute those were all the feelings i had and then versus the times that i would just procrastinate and avoid working on myself, I would just beat myself up and believe this identity of like, I'm lazy. I suck at working out. I suck at eating healthy. And I just kept reinforcing those because I avoided actually getting into those habits. And so I just fed into that. Um, so procrastination is really just that loop of, of going through that. <laughs> So would the, the change be just that one action step? <laughs> yeah, Ass that one essentially. Step? Yeah. So like going back so that the concept for all of these, yeah, is really noticing those thought patterns. And so, and that's the thing. So I grew up in a household that was like controlling very much like masculine energy of like, go, go, go very much like perfectionism in the household. So for me, I was very much latched onto i have to be working all the time and if i if i don't and i feel like this also was a component i definitely like was feeling a lot of perfectionism but then i would just procrastinate because i wanted to avoid the thing for so long um but if there were eyes on me i'd be like i, I gotta go do something and so when it came to procrastination by myself like if i was alone I immediately would tell myself I'm lazy if I'm not doing something. Um, and so those two kind of tied in together because it's like, oh, if I'm not doing, I'm lazy. And so it's really allowing ourselves that. So planning is the, no, I would say that's the strategy for procrastination is preparing and planning because you know, like people talk about like meal prep and things like that. And a lot of people look at meal prep and they're like, oh, that seems like so much. I'm not the type of person to meal prep. And I always tell people it's not about, it's not about the meal prepping. It's about what you feel and ultimately what you're striving for. Like for me, I'll meal prep the night before. So I don't do it like Sunday. And that's the thing, everyone does it in their own way. But it's like, I've actually dedicated a time at night from like eight to nine. Every night I've built that into my routine of that's like my prep time, whatever that looks like. And I might not take the whole hour, but it's like, I've dedicated this time slot to organize myself for the next day. Because if I don't do that, then I fall into these feelings of I like, I suck at getting ready for the day. I don't, I'm not an organized person. Like 
I feel crap about myself. Like there's all, once again, it always goes back to those thoughts and feelings. And when we prepare and plan, it allows us to reduce that overwhelm. And it allows you to really um, uh, eliminate or reduce the procrastination and the feelings associated with it. So it's not about like what you prepare or plan. It's just taking those little baby steps. So for me, if I'm feeling really overwhelmed on a Sunday for the week ahead, I like, I write my to-do list. I like look at my goals for the week and I just like, I check off all the things that I want to get ready for the next day. And that might not be like actually preparing a meal, but maybe it's getting the items out on the counter so that when I wake up in the morning, it's all ready to go. So it's like, once again, the prepping is what works for you because everyone is different. So what I started to realize was I didn't have the confidence or trust in myself that I could do it. So what really initially happened was when I took the baby step of like preparing and planning, which in the beginning literally was me writing like two or three things down on a list. And that's the thing too, when you procrastinate, you, you overthink and then you're in bed being like, oh my God, I have a thousand things that I need to do tomorrow. Or like, oh my God, like you get that monkey mind where it's like, it never stops when you go to bed. And so literally writing those things down on paper gets it out of your head and somewhere else so that you can reduce that like overwhelm or anxiety about like I have to do all these things and you don't have to but setting yourself up for success so this is all kind of in the in the habit um, formation and, and really how I work my clients through it is noticing the cues in your environment to really set yourself up for success so that really goes into the planning and preparing um, and yeah as I said like baby steps. So um, just really starting with one thing that, but as I said, noticing what triggers you. Cause if it's like, if every night at like 9 PM, you get anxious or like starting to feel nervous, you might not know why, but it, that that's always an indicator. Feelings are not bad. Thoughts are not good or bad. It's always a, a, a guide for you to be like, okay, this feeling is coming up for me right now. What is this showing me? Is it telling me that maybe I'm not as prepared for tomorrow as I'd like to be? If so, okay, I'm going to go do one thing right now. So once again, it's that redirection of like one tiny step. Um, so yeah, I would say planning and preparing with procrastination is like the number one thing. And now that I've noticed it and caught it, it's like, that literally happened to me on Sunday. I was like relaxing and then I got to close to dinner and I was like, Ooh, I feel like there's a lot of things I want to do this week. And so I was like, okay, let me just like pause and just like do one thing right now. And that's the thing, behavior momentum. When you do a one tiny action, you're like, Oh, this isn't so bad. It's not as daunting as I told myself it would be. <laughs> and then sometimes it, that momentum is what you need to then kind of get all the other things, um, started and sometimes that's not what happens and that's okay too but did you do one thing it's it's all about it's not about what you did it's the fact that you showed up for yourself so it's like okay did you do one thing today like that one thing no matter what kind of intensity or how long you did it or whatever that doesn't matter it's like did you do it yes or no and that is the indicator of being like you showed up for yourself in the way that you could today 
and that's okay. And so really that self-talk in that process for sure. Okay. So that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'm writing it all down. So perfectionism, it's all about, um, oh gosh, where's my notes here? Gratitude and celebration for procrastination. It's all about preparation and planning. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the third one. Let's go to people pleasing. Yes. So this one is really, I mean, when you think about how we grew up, that is, you know, we're conditioned. These are where our habits are ultimately formed and our belief systems are created. So what we believe is not ultimately created by us. It's created by where we grew up, how we grew up, um, you know, the things we observed and heard when we were growing up. So people pleasing, you know, just an example of like when we're younger, if someone, if my mom were to be like, oh, like grandma's here, go hug her, like go say hi, give her a hug. But let's say, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, I'm like seven or eight and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, like I'm very shy and I feel uncomfortable and I don't want to. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. And then my mom is like, no, go do it. It'll make grandma happy. And that shows that my own feelings were dismissed and I should go do something for someone else to make them happy, regardless of how I felt. So that is just like a very bare bones, like example, but we grow up in society to really show that, you know, we do things for other people or we want to make sure others are happy for the most part. And so in our adulthood, when we're doing things on our own, a lot of the time, we want to make sure that others are happy. Um, and that, once again, comes into play of we want to be seen, heard, understood, validated. Like these are all core things that are human needs that we want met. And so, young when we're younger we believe oh if I go give grandma a hug it'll make her happy and then that'll make mom happy and so and then you know say I go hug grandma and then mom's like very happy with me and I get mom's attention and it's like what just got reinforced was me going and doing an action for someone else regardless of how I felt to get mom's approval so there's a lot of core beliefs that are deep rooted when for people pleasing. And so when we look at us as adults, we fear judgment, we fear failure, and we fear rejection. And so a lot of people pleasing is based on, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to fail. I don't want someone to look at me negatively. I want this person's approval over me giving it to myself. And so that kind of ties into external validation. We, we do things for the approval, connection, love, support of somebody else. And so with people pleasing, this, this could kind of tie into nutrition or eating healthy is you know, if your friend circle goes to a, a pub and everyone's eating fries and burgers and all these things, you might just give in and be like, and, and not that anyone would necessarily say anything, or maybe someone would, maybe in the past, someone's been like, oh, you're just getting a salad. And a lot of the time people would rather just, you know, 
it's not that someone's going to be like, I don't approve of you if you don't eat salad, but it's the feelings associated with it. There comes that judgment. If someone set, has said to you in the past, like, oh, you're just getting a salad, it could be very harmless. But if, if you're hearing these kinds of things, there's, a, there's an ounce of judgment there and we want to avoid judgment. So sometimes we'll be like, oh, I'd rather just eat the fries and burgers when I'm around all my friends because then nobody will say anything and I'll fit in. So that there's so many components and layers of people pleasing and um, that really ties into, so, you know, a strategy when it comes to people pleasing, the core base of all of this is self-love, which is a very large and broad thing to kind of just say, but it ultimately people pleasing is us doing and choosing actions for ourselves based on how people perceive us, how it'll look for someone else to, um, how I will make someone else happy. We're not allowing ourselves any room for our own personal growth or connecting with our own feelings. And so there could be a lot of shame or guilt when we, sometimes we believe self-care is selfish if we're not caring for other people. And so it's really looking at these kinds of beliefs and seeing, okay, what parts of me are really latching onto this kind of identity of, I have to take care of everyone else before myself first. And once again, it kind of goes back to rules that we tell ourselves in our head of like, I have to do this for this person over myself. And that's not the case. You don't have to do that. And so the number one thing with people pleasing, the number one strategy is really setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, you know, people pleasing, you're doing everything for everyone else. You're never thinking about yourself and you're just abiding by everyone else's schedules. And if a friend says, I really want to go here, but you're technically busy, you stop what you're doing to go do something with that person. You don't have any boundaries set for yourself. And so that one is like a bigger one to really like have to work through. But ultimately when it comes to people pleasing is boundaries. So one of the one, you know, baby steps with that is when it comes to boundaries, starting with yourself first. So when you think about this, so I was definitely a people pleaser and I had no routine with myself years ago. And I would just kind of wake up and go do whatever the day needed and didn't really think much about myself. And a lot of the time when we're people pleasers, we don't really create a schedule for ourselves because we're just like, oh, well, like I'm just going to wake up and go do what I need to do for the day. And whoever needs me, needs me. And that's it. And so one of the core things to kind of set, start setting boundaries is choosing uh, like one small action for yourself because it's not about what the boundary is. It's the confidence and self-trust that you build and create for yourself when you set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like if you say like, I'm going to wake up every morning and make my bed. 
And I feel like I know that's a, a very basic routine, but it's like, if you've never done it before, if you don't really choose to, if you're inconsistent with yourself, you're going to be inconsistent with others. If you don't set boundaries with yourself, you're not going to set boundaries with others. If you don't, you know, choose your daily actions for yourself, you will be very indecisive with others. So it's like what you don't work on with yourself, that will be projected into your relationships with others. And so people pleasing is a harder one because a lot of our actions, we do it based on others and what they want. And as I always have been attaching these to feelings is sure, taking care of others and, and being there for others, once again, it's not a bad thing, but when it comes at the detriment of your own self-care and your own well-being, and you feel so exhausted from being there for everybody or not even giving yourself any time for you and, or some friendships you're emotionally drained from it, but it's, you're, you're too fearful of sticking your ground with that person, um, and losing them. Like you would rather the validation and the connection over what, like the, having the time and regaining that energy for yourself. So one small action and building that into a routine essentially will create and build that confidence in yourself and trust that you can make your own decisions and you can create your own routines. And when you do that for yourself, then that's when you can set boundaries. So ultimately the beginning step is just setting a boundary with yourself because in that moment, you're going to get triggered. You're going to have weird feelings. You're going to feel like I can't do it, or I don't need to set these boundaries with myself, or I don't need to continue doing this routine every day. And we start to get into that loop. So if we don't focus on it for ourselves first, we won't be able to set firm boundaries and stick to them with others if we aren't able to um, work through it with ourselves first. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I know it's a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's all great stuff. It's just like, you know, so I, I mean, maybe I'm taking this a little too literally, but just for the example, just to kind of work through everything that you just said. So, you know, until if you struggle with making your bed, right? If you learn how to set that boundary with as soon as you wake up, make your bed and you're not allowed to do anything until you make your bed. It will, in essence, help you create a boundary when you are invited to a friend's house for dinner and you don't like the food or it's not food that you want to eat on your plan and saying no thank you because you don't want to hurt her feelings. Like You're never going to get to that part until you learn how to create boundaries with yourself first. So Yeah, and, right? and I mean, I, like, they don't connect. connect. But they, I was going to say, you're yeah, gaining like, confidence in your ability to set a boundary and actually work, work through it versus just saying it and then ignoring it because it's not that big of a deal, but it actually is a big deal because it's the groundwork. So you can create boundaries with others. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, sure. Like making bed, it doesn't necessarily connect, but as I said earlier, it's not about what the habit is it's the fact that you're showing up for yourself. So like, did you make your bed today? Yes or no? 
If you did, amazing. Keep doing that. And then build in like drinking water. And then maybe once you build that, then you can prepare a breakfast the night before. And then in the morning you have breakfast and now you're eating healthy breakfasts and it, it, it builds on itself. So like, for instance, I give my, uh, my clients like a habit tracker. And when you visually see like, and you get to check it off, like those in itself are actually like releasing chemicals and you're celebrating, you're rewarding yourself just by checking them off each day. And, you know, when it comes to really, you start with something so small and, you know, this is an example too, like, um, for working out, like, sure, I can work out for 10 minutes. Like that is something I'm capable of doing, but like, let's say like, you know, have I been working out consistently every day? No. So it's like, if I were to set, you know, 10 minutes every day or even every three days, staying consistent with that, I probably would not feel confident to say that I could do that every day. So when I say baby steps for anything, I literally mean like, if you haven't worked out before, or if you haven't made breakfast for yourself in the mornings before, um, starting so small, and that could be for breakfast, like you make sure that you have a granola bar ready to go. Or if you really wanted to prepare a smoothie, do it the night before so that you literally can just grab it and go in the morning, like really reducing the response effort so that things are so easy to engage in. And so with working out, start with one minute. And what you do is you prepare your workout clothes beforehand. And like, for me, I have, I've now created a playlist on YouTube that has all my favorite workouts. So it's like, I don't even need to like research or look into, or try to find, spend all the time planning, um, in the moment. Cause then I can get sidetracked and then say, why bother? So really setting yourself up for success and just choosing these small things. So it's like, yeah, I know I can do 10 minutes of working out, but it's not about the working out. It's building the momentum with that habit. So if I say like, okay, my environment's set up and I'll do one minute, then it's like, okay, yeah, that's so doable. Or if I say like, yeah, you know, I'll eat a granola bar for breakfast every day. That's really doable. And so I always say um, to my clients on a scale of one to 10, how realistic is this habit or goal? And if it's below seven that they say, I always say start smaller. And a lot of the times our perfectionism will come in and be like, I can do 10 minutes. Like that is so doable. Like there's people out there that do 30 minute workouts. Like why the heck would I start with one? Like a lot of people, I've actually had clients say like, oh, my thought that came up was one minute is ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. It sounds ridiculous because we grew up in a society where it's like, go, go, go. Or like, you should be doing all these things or, you know, like, who works out for one minute that's so silly and but it's like it's not about the habit or like the action it's you showing up for yourself can you consistently say that you've shown up for yourself and gotten ready and done an ounce of working out like even in the tiniest way if you can say yes or no to that then that's you showing up for yourself so the baby steps are so key to all of these factors. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's the thoughts that come up too. Right. Cause like I have had clients be like, Oh, like one minute is ridiculous. Why would I do that? And it's like, okay, let's walk through that thought. Right. It's like, that's your ego coming up to be like red flag. 
Like there's no point in doing one minute, go, go crush 10 or 15 minutes. But it's like, if you keep kind of giving into that voice, you're going to have inconsistencies and you're going to then feel bad for yourself for maybe doing 10 minutes today and being like, yeah, see, I can do it. And then the next day you start to doubt yourself. Maybe there's a low energy day and your brain's like, you have to do 10 minutes, you know? So like, it's really noticing like those thoughts and same with like no sugar or like low sugar or certain things in your diet or trying to eat healthier and things like that. It's like, our brains will always try to keep us safe. That's our no, their number one job. So our brain, our ego is really that like, hey, stay in your comfort zone. It's easier and safer, but there's no growth in comfort zone. So that's all our brain is there to do is to keep us safe. And evolutionarily, like, you know, that was like based on safety and actual real danger from a bear, a lion, you know what? It's like our brains still think that way in today's day, uh, day and age. So it's really catching those thoughts and being like, okay, I see you and acknowledging it and that it's okay that it's there. Um, but what, what one tiny action can you do in those moments to really shift? All right. And that is my spiel. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Well, we're just so appreciative. Um, Sonia, if we want to learn more about what you do or um, about your practice or any of that, how can we find you? Yes. So I am, my main platform is Instagram. So you can follow me at soniajmack.coaching. And my website is soniamccrimmon.com. And I've got a freebie that's five steps to lasting change um, that I will share with your audience and they can snag that if they want. And it's like a workbook and it gives them strategies uh, to work through the thought spirals as well as um, taking those actions. Excellent. All right. And we will put all of that information with the notes. So that way you can access them if that's something that you're interested in. And I highly recommend it. So we always end our episodes with a recipe. And so I am going to ask you if you could share one of your favorite go-to recipes or snack ideas, breakfast idea, dinner idea, really it can be anything, um, but something that is one of your favorites and um, that maybe can be one of our favorites too. Ooh, yes. So I would say, a breakfast recipe that I love doing is overnight oats. So this one is super fun. Um, I have like a mason jar and I have um, uh, steel cut oats. And all you do is really just uh, layer it in the mason jar and you put it in the fridge overnight and it's ready to go in the morning. So my recipe that I really like doing is um, it'll be a cup of overnight oats. still cut oats and a cup of milk, um, a cup of yogurt, and I'll put chocolate chips. (laughs) Um, And I'll put like a little bit of chia seeds and flax seeds in there as well and cut up strawberries and you just kind of mix that all in, in the mason jar. And then you put that in the fridge. I think those are all the things that I put in there. Um, and that's the thing you can mix it up. You can like put honey or cinnamon in there. Um, 
uh, a scoop of peanut butter. Like there's so many different uh, recipes, but the chocolate chips and the, and the strawberries. Oh, I put a little bit of vanilla extract in mine as well. Um, yeah, can't go so, wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, one of my favorites and it's super easy and good to go for the morning. Yes, and I always share with my clients too, you can either eat that cold or you can heat it up the next morning if you are not a cold oatmeal person because some people are not um but the prep work is already done so yeah. that was what makes overnight oats so wonderful yeah it's such an easy one and it, it takes like two seconds to prep and then you're like oh, okay and then and it's quite filling in the morning too mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely so all right well We just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Again, um, guys, I know that these are things that you struggle with too, because we talk about them in our, in our sessions and I know I struggle with them. So this has been really great in helping us walk through it and giving us those action steps on how we can take steps to work through, through those challenges. So Sonia, just thank you so much for being with us today. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, guys, that's all we have for today. Um, So thanks for joining us and we will see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.